Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome back to the Carlton Blue podcast for a late night, Monday night stream. Uh, it's half eight as things stand on transfer deadline day, as we all know. Uh, the deadline shuts at 11, but it, it looks like the lights are probably off at Bodymore Heath for this evening. I think Villa tweeted a graphic earlier of their kind of January business, which suggested to me we're done now, everybody. But, you know, there's still that bit of hope to, that, you know, Danny Ings comes out of nowhere. So we're kind of going to discuss the January window so far with the caveat that maybe something happens in the next two and a half hours, but I very much doubt it. My name is Dan Rose. I'm joined by John Townley this evening. John, are you all right, mate? I'm all good, mate. How are you? Yeah, not bad. Is this your first transfer window working with us? Second. I had the summer one as well. Bloody hell, I didn't realise you'd been around here that long. I thought you only joined <laughs> after after the summer window. Um, I was going to say, what was like your first experience of working the deadline day, but you've done it before? Yeah, yeah. I'm experienced. Yeah. We won't start with Matt Target because he's the biggest story of the day, and I don't want to kind of peak too early. Um, Kane Kessler-Hayden to MK Dons, not Swindon, like I'd put on the graphic earlier, because <laughs> I'd still got it from uh, the last time we went out on loan, and Jed yeah. steered to Luton Town. Um kind of to be expected isn't it that they're probably not going to get minutes at Villa and, and that's good business isn't it yeah I think so yeah Kane Kessler came back didn't he from the loan Gerard called him back early in the January window um I think he wanted to have a look at him uh see what he was about obviously I hadn't worked with him before but obviously I had road, road reviews off the coaching staff at Bodymore because it's all very much interlinked now isn't it the academy to the first team operations so Gerard would have been given the lowdown on uh, Kane Kessler and been given, I say, really good, really good reviews off the coaching staff um, and Gerard's coaching staff as well. Michael Beale working with really good youngsters um, in his former jobs at Liverpool and Chelsea. So, yeah, they've got really high hopes for him, uh, and mm-hmm. it probably isn't a first team pathway right now this season for the next few months. But Gerard would have said to him, you know, come back here and try and impress me, or try and impress me in an, another loan move because I was thinking, you know. It depends what the young player needs. Sometimes you can only have a couple of months at one club and then you've almost not completed what you've gone there to do necessarily. But Kane almost, he almost had completed his time at Swindon. He was clearly good enough for that level. Uh, he wasn't being challenged really. Like if you look at Jacob Ramsey when he went to Doncaster, he was only there for a matter of like two months, I think it was, because of the coronavirus outbreak at, um, that stops all the lower league games. Yeah. Um, and look how much he matured. So Kane probably came back and Gerard wanted to just see what he was about. Um, there isn't enough opportunities from right now, so we'll go to League One, which is obviously a step up from League Two um, for a team that's fighting for promotion as well. Um, which... I do wonder as well with that. Obviously, there was talk with with Matty Cash potentially with Atletico Madrid for for thirty to forty million, which looked like a summer deal rather than January anyway. And now whether that's even going to happen is, is another matter. But there yeah. was maybe a thought that maybe you know if Cash does depart in January to somebody. We'll call Kane Kessler Hayden back and he he will be in around the squad for sure. Once I know that there was no interest in cash leaving in January, send can send Kane back out and and, and uh, test him at a higher level, like you said. Yeah, exactly. I think it's it's one or two. It was firstly to bring him back because 
again, not no disrespect to Swindon, but was he being challenged to the extent that we would have liked him to have been challenged, um, at least towards the back end of that loan? You know, he was playing against Man City and was probably Swindon's best player. Um, and then you side down the other path of that is that there was obviously speculation around Matt Cash. Um, Gerard himself just wanted more squad depth, I think. Um, but once mm. it, it, might, it might just become apparent to him that uh, Kane wasn't quite ready yet for Premier League football, which is absolutely fine. Um, and come the summer in pre-season, Gerard would have set him targets as well. This is what we'd like you to do at MK Dons and this is the sort of play that we'd like you to come back as in the summer. Um and that's all, you know, a really good a really good carrot for him and any other any other yeah. young player that's also got on loan. Um and this pretty much pretty much kind of a similar story for Jed Steer who, you know, definitely not under understated the job he's done for Aston Villa and getting us back to the Premier League. But you know, since we've been in the Premier League he's never really had a sniff under a couple of managers now that, that Unfortunately for him, don't rate him as a Premier League goalkeeper, so he's not going to get minutes at Villa, especially Emi Martinez as your number one. Uh, we've brought in Robin Olsen earlier in the window. Uh, Sinisalo is your, your academy prospect that you're trying to get through the door, so Jed Steer has to go out to to sort his own career, doesn't he? He's not going to get time at Villa, so off you go to play football, Jed, with our, with our best wishes. Yeah, exactly, and we don't want to kind of stockpile the goalkeepers. I think yeah. well, we sign one every single window anyway. Exactly, and he's got like a little school of goalkeepers going on at Bottom Heath as well. There's, there's probably about six or seven of them, um, you know, at the moment that, that are training. So I think for Jed, he probably thought I'm coming up to. He's not goalkeeper wise. He's not actually very old, um, so he's got m- many more years left if he can stay um, injury free, especially in the championship, um, and earn a really good career for himself in the next you know, four to five years as well. So maybe this is the start of his sort of next chapter. Should we say he's kind of finished his Villa chapter? I think, um, and no doubt is benefited from working with Cutler and obviously all the experiences he's had with Villa um, and when he leaves whether that's in the summer or maybe the year after who knows when his contract's up he'll leave as you say with all of our best wishes he's like a bit of a cult hero really mm. you cannot understand anything that he did for us in that not even the season in those you know 12 games that we had towards the end of 2018-19 um, it's crazy stuff you know but um, no fair play, to, fair, fair play to Jed hopefully he gets all the minutes that he deserves at Luton and he can really kick himself on again I saw a tweet earlier saying um, that the only t- the only players left from the playoff final are Tyron Mings and John McGinn, and I, I don't remember the bench, and I don't know what our bench is now off the top of my head, but I assume Jed Steer is probably the only other one that's that's left from those days. So yeah, you know, like I said, come in, done a job, and, and then goes away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, let's talk about Target then. We mentioned Cash briefly there, but that was eventually not a non-story, and we'll come back to that in the summer and see what happens there. Um, Target is the is the biggest one from today, I guess. I kind of there's a couple of hundred people watching. It seems to have split opinion more so than I thought it would. So I don't know how to what word to say, but a good move or bad move in the comments. What what do people think? Personally, I don't I'm not that bothered to be honest that he, that he's gone. I've seen people saying like it's strengthening a rival, and if if Newcastle stay up because he plays well, it, we'll be competing with them for transfer targets next season, and he's not going to play. He's behind behind Dean. Clearly, you know, doesn't want to fight for the shirt in in second place when he can go to Newcastle and start every week. It's it's a it's a selfish thing for him to to do and save his own career, isn't it? But I do I care? Not really. Yeah, I think I think that is, I think you probably brought up the one point that you could probably make in terms of target, maybe keeping Newcastle up and then Newcastle maybe feeding in the same table as us come the summer. But each club has their own targets, and everyone's got their own jobs to fulfil. I'm with you, Dan. I think it's a bit of a much of a nothing. I think. 
target himself. He wants to play football. He's a professional. He's 26 years old and he's clearly not going to be playing much football with Villa. He's just been displaced by Luca Dean, who's played two games um, whilst Dinier sat on the bench for those two games. The guy's not going to play any games. Um, and as well, I think Gerard is saying, you know, he wants that squad depth and he's really happy to have two really good fullbacks or at least two fullbacks that will be challenging um, for that first team place, even though Dinier is clearly the one that he likes uh, more so than Target to fit his style. Um, but we're not playing in Europe yet. I think, you know, Gerard has said on a couple of times he wants that, you know, full full depth, um, options for every position. Um, but if Matt Target isn't playing, I think for the age that he is, he's bound to be leaving the club. Uh, I don't know if it makes any worse for Villa fans that he's joined Newcastle or not. I'm not too sure. Um, I think that's probably where some of the bitterness has come from a little bit. Um, and maybe because it's only a loan and there's no fee at the end of it. Mm. But then again, even if he plays well, then no doubt Newcastle will... I don't know, strike up a £15 million bid, something like that. And then can we say, I'll take it to 20 because no, we know that you've obviously got a lot of money. Um, so no, I think we'll see where it goes, but it's nothing that you know, we should really be worrying about, I don't think at all. I, I did say, see somebody on, on social media say that if that if Newcastle do stay up, they'll be looking at better left-backs than Matt Target to sign anyway. So he'll be back at Villa, kind of stuck back at square one. But it gets him out in the shop window for six months and if Gerard doesn't fancy him or... I mean, we don't even know whether that's true. I mean, we don't know if either side, but Gerard said about, you know, having two players for each position and everyone's got to fight for their shirt. And Matt Tyke might have thought, oh, I don't really fancy that. I can go and play for Newcastle and and play every week and I'll, I'll show you there what I'm capable of. Yeah. I don't necessarily even think it might even be the end for, for Target at Villa. Maybe he comes back in the summer and and he's kicked on for six months and tries to get in in, in the summer, maybe, you know, or if something happens to Luca Dean. That's football, isn't it? Anything can happen. Yeah. Um, but if Newcastle do stay up and he's impressed there and played well, 30 million? What's the going right for an English left back at 27 or 28, however, however old target is? Yeah. So um, I'm not really that bothered. A couple of people have said, like, oh, who's back up now? It's Ashley Young, isn't it? The same who was back up at the start of the season. The start of the season was target Young, and now it's Dina Young. That's better, isn't it? Yeah, and I think at the start of the season as well, everyone was raving about Young coming in and playing as understudy at right back, left back, being this versatile player that can play five positions. Gerard said that as well. Ashley Young said that Gerard has asked him to play up to five positions. So clearly, you know that's a that's that's someone that Gerard wants to keep at the club anyway, past his contract expiring next. Sorry, this summer coming up. Um, so now it's, it's it's much of a muchness. It's targets gone to play first team football, and we're. Uh, cutting down on wages and probably going to get a decent fee at the end of it because I think he'll play every game for Newcastle. They'll probably stay up. Um, yeah. And if he's part of that, then fair play. Yeah, exactly. That. Somebody said to me that, you know, they saw, they saw Nash Young play a few games this season and decided he's not a backup left back. But and if he really gets down to it, Tara Mings has played left back before. Callum Chambers can obviously do a job on the left hand side as well, even though it's not, not going to be a favour position. But if you're getting down that far down the pecking order with only 17 games to go anyway, we're not going to go down. We're probably not going to push for Europe. Does it really matter? Assess this in the in the summer and then see what happens. For me, I'm, I'm surprised there's this much of a kind of agony towards Matt Target to go, oh, what are we going to do now? And it's Ashley Young yeah. will be back up like he was to Target. <laughs> Dino is better than Target. So it's a no-brainer, isn't it? And you look at Aaron Hickey as well, player that we've been linked with too. Yeah, yeah. I know at the club looking at him and thinking, oh, he can play his back up and, you know, you don't know what the club's thinking, but ultimately, no, Matt Target's going on loan. It's, um, yeah, it's no bigger. Yeah, I think he wants to play football. Gerard, I mean, Gerard might have wanted to keep him, but if he wants to go, that, that's up to him to do. It is a bit disappointing that Newcastle haven't just come in straight away and going, bank here's 20 million or there's an obligation to buy. But yeah. I think if he impresses there, then Eddie Howe will sign him and 
who's a better left back anyway. Newcastle suddenly going to be signing these world class players next season just out of the blue. They're still going to be a side that's just about stayed up. Like yeah. it's probably about the best they can do. So I think. Um, yeah. Away from from today, then because that's pretty much it. I mean, I've got an eye on social media just in case Villa tweet, you know, the eyes emoji or something and get us all rolled up, but nothing so far. <laughs> um, and just on the January window as a whole. Uh, I've noted down five names, I think, that have all left so far this window um, that we've not spoken about yet. Keenan Davis to Forest, El Ghazi to Everton, Philogene Bidais to Stoke, Louis Barry to Swindon, and Cameron Archer to Preston. Out of those five names, and if I've forgot anybody else, who's kind of like the standout story there that, that you think is worth keeping an eye on for the next six months? I'm really interested in Cameron Archer and Philogene Bidais, to be mm-hmm. fair, but Archer particularly because he hasn't had that sort of exposure to a... He's obviously played at Sully or Moors, but it's a completely different level and a different... It's really hard to judge that alone. Um, and we know he's clearly a good player for what he's been doing in the Villa's first team and obviously the 23s as well in the Papa John's Trophy. Scoring goals are fun against League One opposition um, and scoring against Chelsea and scoring um, you know, in Villa's Carabao Cup run this season as well, although it was very short. Um, but I think going into January, there was obviously a queue of teams looking to sign him and this move has been very well planned should we say um mm. it wasn't enough an, an off chance that oh Preston have come in at the last minute let's let's sanction that deal it was a couple of weeks in the making Sunderland Portsmouth there was plenty of clubs looking at him maybe at league one level but for him to get a championship loan and obviously scoring his debut against West Brom as well impressing his second game too um really good start for him uh, and it's it's good to sort of know what level he'll be at come the summer again in pre-season when Villa have got two yeah. strikes um you know, he'll be sticking around next season if he can get up to, you know, anywhere near seven goals or something. That's a brilliant return for half a season in the Championship because we know how difficult it can be to score goals in that division. Um, and Philly Jim Bidice as well has made a really good start, set up a goal, sorry, nearly set up a goal against uh, Huddersfield on Friday night, I think it was. Um, hit the post as well in both games that he's played so far, made a really good impact off the bench. Um, and these, these players we haven't quite seen you know, like full 90 minutes playing against, you know, really, really good competitive opposition. We've, we've seen him against Barrow. Um, and the and, 23s, where it's just too easy for him. Exactly. They're a level above. Um, mm. And they're not the sort of 18-year-old, sort of Louis Barry kind of chicken maker. They're now the sort of almost 20-year-old where you really are starting to kick on and get your first team minutes and when you're expected to really break into a first team. Yeah. Um, so those to me are more interesting. But of course, looking at like Kane Kessler, uh, Louis Barry, you know, We've got so many bright young players. It's um, it's a big job for Mila Yedinak and the loans management team. Um, yeah, he's going to have to have eyes everywhere. He's going to be a very busy man over the next few months, Mila Yedinak. Yeah, exactly. We probably need like a whole backroom staff group. We've got so many youngsters coming through. And obviously, in the other 23s now, you've got loads of players that probably need loan moves um, yeah. that haven't got them as well. Yeah. Um, Raiki as well went to Grimsby, yeah. I think. Yeah, that's one I didn't even note down. Yeah. Uh, a couple... There's a couple of interesting stories, really, because I think you've got Danny Ings and Ollie Watkins are obviously your main two, and there'll be conversations in the summer about whether you may be cashing on Ings or you have an offer from Arsenal of £40 million for Watkins and stuff like that, which is, will go around, no doubt. And who the backup would be to those two anyway? Is it Cameron Archer or Keenan Davis? And Davis going out to Forest Davis, and scoring sure. a couple of goals got goals already and looking looking pretty good in his, in his short spell so far. Again, he's he's probably the the other end, isn't he? You've, you you kind of separate those two into Davis and El Ghazi as like a mm, probably shop window loans here to go out and impress them and leave, and the other guys to go out and develop and come back in the summer and, and be assessed again. 
But you know, Davis, if he has a, another, th- I don't know how many games left in the championship, if he scores just ten goals or something, you'd be looking at that and going, "Cross, where's his goal scoring boots come from?" Like maybe he can get back into the Villa side. Um, so that that kind of little mini competition between Davis and Archer, both having championship loans, is is really interesting to me. I'm looking forward to seeing how they both get on. Yeah, I, I love Keenan Davis because I think he offers so much, and it was always that goal scoring touch that was lacking yeah. in the Premier League. Um, and with all due respect, there was no sign of that coming. Uh, so he, he really needed that low move. I think it was a couple of years too, not too late, but I, I wish he almost went out on loan when we got promoted almost and then mm. really show what it was about then. Because it's, again, you're coming back to that stockpiling of players. I don't want to stockpile players because they need to earn, you know, kind of earn the stripes somewhere else and then they get a career at other places. And I think for Davis, he probably will come back to Villa, but then there'll be interest from other championship clubs and it'll be up to him if he wants to leave or not. Because I think sometimes you're so motivated to break in, having been at Villa's Academy, obviously not for his whole, you know, uh, teenage years or whatever. But coming through a Premier League club, you want to make sure it works. But then mm. he probably gets one taste of Nottingham Forest and realise realises that, oh, I can make it here. I'll, you know, I don't mind staying around. Um, you know that sort of thing, uh, but no, I'm really. Let's not forget, not your vice could be promoted this season. Oh, absolutely, he could be a yeah. Premier League striker anyway. Um, yeah. But no, Keenan, yeah, I love him, but again, I think it's coming down to is he, does he want to play backup in a Premier League team? You know, that's the that's the question. Same for Cameron Arch, to be fair. You know, if again, if he's scoring anywhere near 10, 10 Championship goals, he might be good, too good to be not too good to be playing as backup in the Premier League. But what does he want to do with this career? It's that's mm. you know the question with those, I think. What about Ogazi quickly? Do you think that's the maybe the last we'll see of him in a Villa shirt? Yeah, I think so. Um, the sort of way that that Everton deal was done in terms of how Ogazi reacted to it, the kind of comments that he made, it kind of sounded like he probably knew that, that was the end of his career at Villa. Um, and again, you, you can go into more detail about his career at Villa and you know what he's done for the club. Uh, but his contract's up at the end of next season, so he enters his final 12 months in the summer. Um, Villa won't get a huge fee for him but I'm sure they'll be looking to get some sort of money just to balance some sort of FFP um, same as it will be with um, potentially Douglas Louise in the summer as well you're looking to get fees for players that are going to um, reduce the value over the next couple, couple of months I would have thought um, Let's talk about the ins very quickly we've got Olsen, Coutinho, Dean and Chambers Chambers is one that we've probably talked about the least because we've seen Dean and Olsen in a couple of games already Um that's a pretty solid window, isn't it? I think obviously there's been a lot of talk about a defensive midfielder and a quiet deadline. I always bring some kind of scrutiny to go. Oh, why haven't you? Why haven't you done something? You know, do something at least. But I think if we'd signed nobody a week ago and then Dina Coutinho and Chambers came in the last two or three days, we'd all be going bloody hell! What a window! Well done, Villa. So it's a bit of perspective. I understand the frustrations about a holding midfielder, and we'll, we'll discuss that in a bit more detail in a second. But just sum up those. Um, those ins for me and how you kind of rate the transfer window, I guess. Yeah, it's almost like a bit of recency bias, if you can, even though it's only been a month. Um, yeah. it, it always feels like a long month, doesn't it, the January window, because there's so many rooms and there's so much going on and it's four weeks of constant, you know, speculation. Um, but no, I, I rate it 8.5 out of 10. That, you know, that sort of range thing, obviously the DM, the holding midfielder would make it a 10 out of 10, but then can you really criticise Villa for not having a 10 out of 10 window? You know, it's <laughs> that's quite harsh. Um and again, how much have we spent? Twenty-five million on at least Coutinho and Dinia, two players that dramatically improve your first eleven, um, and then Olsen back goalkeeper Callum Chambers for about two million pounds, I think it was. But obviously, cut price deal because his contract's running out. Um, 
Gerard's got what he wanted uh, and he said himself that he'd want to be patient to get the holding midfielder. Um, so no, I, you know, I've absolutely no sort of negative comments to say. Obviously, it would have been nice to got that defensive midfielder, but if he wasn't available, um, probably Yves Basuma is what we're probably talking. Um, then again, you can't have any qualms because that's the top, top player and you're not going to get all of them in January, are you? Mm-hmm. What do you make of the DM situation? Because you kind of sit there as fans and go, it's another window goes by without this this player that we're screaming out for. Yeah. And I understand the, f- the fact of being patient and you've got to wait for the right deal and, you know, Basuma for 50 million in January, whether that's, you know, is that good business or is that a good deal? Because people are saying, you know, it goes down to 12 months in the summer and Arsenal, Man United, Juventus, some big European giant will come for him for less than 50 and we've got no chance. And I kind of go, yeah, fair enough. I understand that viewpoint. It was kind of now or never, wasn't it, for Basuma and Villa, I think. But we say all this about a DM, and now that's been Gerard and Dean Smith and several transfer windows where the club haven't signed this holding midfielder. So they yeah. know best. Do you know what I mean? Like, do we need one? Do they think they can get by without it? I understand yeah. people say that's the difference between it. You know, it is a very important position, but I don't think Villa are going to get into Europe this season, and we're not. We won't go down. So wait till the summer to do the proper deal rather than rush it through now. Makes sense to me. Yeah, I certainly agree with that in terms of if it's not available, don't rush and do not stockpile players. The last thing I wanted us to do is to buy a holding midfielder that we then look in the summer and think, oh, actually, I'd rather buy Ives Basuma. Let's spend now 35 to £40 million pounds on him. And this midfielder that we just bought is now almost useless because he's not going to play for us now. Um, but I think I think the midfield situation is difficult because I think Dean Smith, he always had that particular defensive midfielder that he's always had at Brentford and Warsaw. He's always that sort of diminutive ball-playing midfielder that doesn't necessarily win the ball, but he likes to play it around. So he had like the Ryan Woods, mm. um, like the Nico Yanaris and all these players back in the championship. And now it was the sort of Douglas Louise. Um, Villa were very rarely wanting that sort of big... I think Stefan Zonzi was one player that potentially that they were looking at, but not for whatever reason, that deal didn't come off. Um, presumably because Smith was content with having a Douglas Louise type. Um, and again, fans have their sort of opinion that we need a different sort of player, an Eves Basuma sort of player. Um, but again, if it, if it's not available, it's not available. There's nothing we can do about that. I think Gerard's sort of made it clear. Again, his top targets, he wants to get those top targets and he won't settle for second best. Um, so when you had speculation of Benton Core, et cetera, it was almost a bit like, well, is it true? Because we know Juan Basuma um, in the summer he's got 12 months on his contract. And yeah, there'll be a lot of competition. Um, but there was competition for Coutinho. There was competition for Leon Bailey. There was, or there's been competition for almost every player that we've signed in the last yeah, that's true. Um, 12 months. And I back us to get the player because every single time that I played as an interviewer, even Gerard leaving Rangers, even though he's almost guaranteed to get that uh, Scottish title again, Everyone always talks about Suarez and Edens and the project, and everyone seems to be wowed by it, and everyone seems to believe in it as well. They're not just saying that. Um, so there's something that us fans, I mean, us, us fans know about the project, but there's something that players are being told and the people inside the club are being told that are, you know, getting really excited about where the club's going, and hopefully that's going to work on if Sum is the main target. Hopefully that will work on him as well um, in the summer because there'll definitely be interest from United and Arsenal, etc. Because he is, he is one of the best players in his position in the Premier League. I've done. I think this is my fifth transfer window now since I've been been working for the companies, and I've always said that your you big re, re, your big rebuilding jobs is always a summer thing. So to get Dina Coutinho and Chambers, Olsen's your Jed Steer replacement, to just get those three, is it, that's a big window to me. So I don't expect that level of business from Villa because that's not what we normally do. Um, yeah. yeah, DM would be nice, but 
if it wasn't for Nakamba's injury, I think he would have played every game for us and, and was only getting better. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe Nakamba is, is the main man to come back in into, into the summer. And you don't want to spend fifty million on Bissouma now because you think, well, Nakamba's going to be in that position for me. You know, he's the one I want. I don't really fancy yeah. Bissouma. It's football and, and agents and managers. It's a complex game, isn't it? It's not straightforward. It's just going. He's a good player. Let's go and pay for him because yeah, you've got to fit into a system and all these kind of things. So. For me, you wait for the summer. I think you could you could potentially see a very different kind of core side, um, you know, core kind of section to the side if transfers happen. You know, talk about Matty Cash with, with Atletico Madrid, Ollie Watkins and Arsenal, Douglas Luiz and Tottenham. You know, those three players could leave for a hundred million, and then you've got big money to spend to improve in, in different areas, and that's what a summer window is for. That big rebuilding job, January yeah. windows is little additions and little tweaks. So to get Dean and Coutinho and Chambers as a utility player, that's a very good window for me, I think. Yeah, and that's what almost 75% of the job, really, in terms of what Gerard's team looks like. And, you know, he's got that fourth centre-back that he wants. Um, he's got Coutinho, that sort of playmaker, or sort of, you know, whatever he is in Gerard's system, we know that he <laughs> likes. Um, Dean, yeah, that bombing left-back. Um, but you, you got like Coutinho's we know that he's going to cost about thirty-three million pounds as well in the summer, so that's already thirty million pounds. That's true, yeah. Um, yeah. If you if you're looking at Basuma for close enough to fifty million now, that's what's my maths uh, like almost seventy million pounds <laughs> in the space of a few months on two players that obviously are going to improve you. Um, but if you look at Villa spending a lot of money over the last three years, I think in terms of FFP, we're more like only probably five million pounds spent in terms of this season because of the greatest mm. sale and a couple of others. So uh, we're okay with that. But then, as you, as, you, as you mentioned, Dan, there's probably the holes in the team that Gerard has looked at and probably wants to improve on that we haven't even assessed yet. Um, you know, does he fancy Matty Cash? Does he fancy Ronnie Watkins? Does he fancy, you know, even a centre-half? You know, we don't know about Quantra and Mings yet. Those, those are both Dane Smith signings. Um, so there's plenty more to be done. It's not as simple as Gerard looking at a hole in midfield and think, assume a 50 million, all right, let's do that. It's, you know, far from that. So, um, no, but I think whatever happens... We're in good hands, so it's not as if we're looking at, you know, back back in the day. I've seen a Benteke and he's, he's leaving, and there's no way of replacing him or we replacing him with mm-hmm. a Gestet. If we don't get Basuma, oh, oh, all right, but then we'll look at this other Champions League player, or we look at this other, um, you know, top Premier League midfielder. Um, but I think fans just want to sort of crave that deadline day signing, and that's why there's a bit of emotion today. Yeah, I always get kind of thrown at me for sitting on the fence, but just trust the manager. Trust the manager, trust the board. They're the ones that are in control of the situation and I'm not. So I'm not going to sit here and throw my toys out of the pram because we've not signed Basuma on deadline day because trust the manager. We've got 17 games left to get through and then we'll see what happens in the summer window. It's still exciting. It's still a good side that we're building. I'm still going to yeah. go to Villa Park and enjoy myself. So <laughs> deadline day is overrated. I know it's part of the job for us to be hyping it up and talk about it and write about it and, and do work around it. And you know, things happen, obviously. It is worth doing, but... No, we was picking strongest 11s with Ben Scoring last week. Spurs. It's like, what was the point of any of that? <laughs> it's just mad, yeah. isn't it? So, just trusting what the pro- what the process is, is doing at Villa. Uh, enjoy yourself. Don't get too caught up in it. I mean, who knows? We've got two hours left to go and all this could you know, sound stupid if we come out and do something. Um, but I, I very much doubt it. So, I think, John, we'll call it a day there. We won't call it a night. We'll be on standby just in case. And if something does happen, we will jump back on it and discuss it. But 
I mean, I'm, I'm going to turn my webcam off because I don't think it's going to happen. Um, so, John, thanks very much for your time. I know you've got another couple of hours of your shift to go, so um, I'll chat to you in a bit. Um, thanks to the fans for tuning in. I kind of just tried to answer some of the questions that were, were put to us um, in my notes as well. So hopefully we've, we've covered everything. Like I said, there was some kind of podcast in the coming days to kind of rate the window properly. And I think we'll get James Rushton on that one um, to go through it. So yeah, thanks everyone for your time as always. Enjoy the rest of your Monday evening and um, yeah, we'll see you again soon. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue and Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode, but until then, up the villa. <laughs> <laughs>